Hey, podcast listeners, Adam Tarno here. Before we jump into the next episode, I want to let you know about the 2018 Church Leaders Conference happening April 24th through 26th here at Watermark. If you've enjoyed what we've been discussing on these podcasts, and I'm confident you're going to find the Church Leaders Conference incredibly valuable. This conference is designed to encourage and inspire people like you, church leaders. And when we say church leaders, we're talking about anyone who loves and leads in the local church. So grab your staff team, your elders, some key volunteers, and join us as we spend a few days reminding ourselves what an amazing privilege it is to lead in the local church. This year's conference will be full of inspiring main stage sessions, over 30 breakout sessions, and we're bringing back the pre-conference workshops on everything from young adult ministry to improving your teaching and preaching. It's going to be a great three days. So to learn more, head to churchleadersconference.com. That's churchleadersconference.com. Hello and welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. I'm your host, Adam Tarno, joined as always by my co-host, John McGee. John, how are we doing today? Hey, Adam. Great to be with you. We've got an awesome topic today. We're talking about how to build culture. And this is a segment where we normally inter, you know, introduce our guest and yeah. tell them who they're going to hear from, but uh, I'm looking at you. And, we got uh, nobody around the table with <laughs> us right now. The inmates are running the asylum, um, which I'm actually really excited about. So, you know, it's been real natural to bring in Todd or JP, and we've talked about culture uh, here on the podcast before. Uh, and those are guys oftentimes that are uh, creating it, thinking about it. But uh, what I love about you, Adam, is that I feel like you pay attention, you study this stuff more than anybody else uh, on our staff, and you've got this like savant ability to uh, go back and remember phrases and things people say. And um, and so I'm really excited that uh, you're going to take the lead uh, on this one and just kind of share some of the things that you've uh, learned, some of the things you've observed uh, around here. So I think this would be a really unique perspective uh, coming from you. Okay, Adam. So if we're going to talk about how to build culture, let's let's just start with the basics. Um, what do you mean by culture? Yeah, I mean, there's so many different definitions of culture out there. The one that I like is actually from George Barna. I just steal his definition, and so this is the way he would define culture. And this is the way when I say culture, and when we talk about it for the rest of this podcast, this is kind of what we mean. And he says it this way: that culture is simply the accumulation of behaviors motivated by core values that characterize a group of people. So it's an accumulation of behaviors motivated by core values that characterize a group of people. So in my words, what I think about with a culture is just the way a group of people behave. What's normal? What's expected? uh, What are the behaviors that get celebrated? What are the behaviors that are not tolerated? All that kind of stuff. So all of that goes into a culture. Right. So staff's uh, staffs have culture. Churches have culture. Families uh, have culture. You know, they what? are everywhere. I mean, I, when you were in college, your fraternity had a culture. Your your dorm had a culture. Uh, your the street. Like I think about my neighborhood and the streets in my neighborhood. There's different cultures there, and so there's uh, you know you got that one side of the neighborhood, and they they like to do their neighborhood events that way, and then this side does it this way. I mean, cultures are all over the. Anytime you get a group of people together, a culture is going to arise. There's going to be behaviors that are expected there. So cultures are everywhere. We can't get we can't get away from them. Okay, so why are we talking about that on this podcast? Because, you know, so you and I, and we've to- maybe told this story a little bit before, but uh, I think it was late last year, or no, beginning part of last year, an email came across our desk that, uh, or in our inbox, that talked about this employee handbook that we had to read, right? So I, I don't know how many people get an email that says, you've got to read this employee handbook. It's amazing. Said no one ever. Yes. Yeah. And so obviously we were both a little skeptical when we opened it up. And so it was this company, this uh, game company, was it Valve, Valve. I think, yeah. out, of, uh, out of Washington in the Seattle area. And, you know, so this was forwarded to us and it just said, you've got to read this employee handbook. And we opened it up and we read it. 
And it was not an employee handbook. It did not talk about how to uh, submit your vacation request or how to get your expenses reimbursed. This was really a culture document. It talked about how they behave, the way they make decisions, what do they do well. I know the section we loved, they had a whole section, what do we not do well? Mm -hmm. We love that authenticity. Mm -hmm. So I remember you and I talking and going, hey, I bet that's a really helpful document for new hires and people just say, hey, here's how we behave. And so this is all of it documented. And we said, let's, wouldn't that be great if we have one? And so we just wrote it. We just said, let's do it. So you and I sat down and we cranked out our version of this employee handbook. And I remember where we were sitting, you and I were talking about like draft four or something of this. And we went to go eat Chinese food over there and we were eating <laughs> we're all, noodles. We're all great breakthroughs having. <laughs> yes. And so you had this like this observation that was just great. You just, as we're writing this, just thinking about Watermark and thinking about the culture here and what made this place, which to us, we just, we love it here. And so what makes it so great? You had that observation, which was, you know, we're really not a strategy, we're a culture. And that, I don't know, for, for me, that was so eye-opening, and I think it was for you too, that we look back at the history of Watermark when it was started in the early 2000s with the elders and what the families who started Watermark, they didn't like crack the code on coming up with the best strategy for a church. What they really did is they said, let's create a culture. Like let's, let's get these, let's make these behaviors motivated by these core values. Let's make that characterize us. Let's make these behaviors make us us. And so uh, that was really insightful and helpful for us to just go, I think that's what makes this place special or what one of the things that you and I really enjoy about this place is that it's it's a culture. And uh, and that drives so many decisions that we make and just uh, just makes us us. Yeah. And so, yeah, just to be clear, like <laughs> we, we do have a strategy yes. and, uh, you know, our strategy would be to be and make disciples. And yes. so, you know, I think what you're saying is, you know, back in the day, it was like, well, that's just obvious. Like what, we don't need to spend a whole lot of ink, um, on that one. Just open up your Bibles, Matthew 28. Yeah. Okay. That, the great that, commission's there. I think we have our mission statement. Yeah. Right? So we don't need it. We don't need to, um, burn hours and hours. And hours. That's clear, but who do we want to be? Yes. And um, and that's really going to define how we do this this great commission. So um, every church has got its mission statement, which is it should be at least some offshoot of uh, Matthew twenty eight. Everyone says it, uh, you know, distinctly their own way. And uh, I think you know what you and I, from our perspective, uh, we're not the senior pastor here, but we feel like what's what's allowed us to pull off the mission. Um, uniquely is the culture that has been created. Yeah. Not something that's talked about in seminary, um, you know, that a lot of times pastors will talk about. They talk about leadership, but they don't talk about culture. And I think you and I both, you know, we read that Valve document. We're like, that, that's what makes this place great. That's yeah. how we're able to, uh, you know, last night, um, I'm, you know, I'm in a room uh, with four groups that had finished our re-engage uh, ministry and just stories of life change, people responding to the gospel, people understanding the gospel, community, um, seeing the value of church. And all of that happened because of a culture we've created uh, with our leaders. Uh, they were able to execute the mission. That That's why this matters. Yeah. And, and for you and I, to be clear, I mean, we didn't start this church, right? So you and I are probably like a lot of our podcast listeners we inherited a culture. So we, we were invited into a culture. And so you and I, I think, again, part of the perspective that we can provide on this is we can't tell you, really, you know, we talked about saying, hey, we want to build a culture. But for you and I, we didn't build it. We have just been assessing it. We've been trying to protect it or maintain it. And at times, as we can maybe talk about, there's, you try to change certain aspects of the culture. But uh, for most of us, when we're out there, uh, unless you're starting something brand new, it's going to be really hard to build the culture. Uh, there are opportunities to do that if you're starting a business or uh, 
building your own neighborhood or something like that, starting your own church, then you can maybe build a culture. Other than that, most of us, we are invited into cultures, and so therefore we got to assess it and then try to respond and protect it accordingly. Love it. Okay, so I love some of the things you, you kind of were teasing out, uh, a bit of an outline, I think it's in your head. So let's talk about that uh, assessing piece. Yeah. Uh, when you talk about assessing culture, what do you mean and how would someone even begin to do that? Yeah, so you and I, when we sat down to write our document, we said, all right, we got to have some framework here. How do you start to put into words what makes the culture the culture? Like, what what are the behaviors that characterize us? And so we thought of three things. We we said, all right, what are phrases that get repeated? And then we asked ourselves, what are uh, different things that get celebrated? And then the last one that we thought about was, uh, what around here does not is is like not tolerated at all? So, what gets repeated? What gets celebrated? And what's not tolerated? So as we sat down and go, okay, what are the phrases that we hear? So if you're trying to assess your culture, that would be a great place to start. You got to become a student of your culture, student of your church and your organization, and just start listening during meetings, start listening during staff meetings, start listening to the sermons, to the announcements, to uh, the way things are written. And you're going to start to catch on to these phrases that are repeated over and over and over again. And so that was fun. And we, you know, for us here at Watermark, we identified seven phrases that we thought really made our culture. Like, this kind of defines who we are. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk about any, just, I don't know, you can go through all seven or just Yeah, pick, just pick real a couple, quick. I mean, and these are in no, like, specific order. This is just the order we wrote them down. So, phrases that we say a lot around here, what does the Bible say about that? And so, again, that just shows that core value that we have of trying to be biblical, as we say all the time. We don't want to be big. We want to be biblical. We don't want to be this kind of church. We want to be a biblical church. So, just that value we place on God's Word, uh, this phrase we always talk about, get inside the circle, because of our staff meetings, we always sit in a circle and you're not allowed to sit outside the circle in our staff meetings, right? Major foul. Major foul. So somebody comes and sits outside the circle, you will get called out and you will have to come and sit inside the circle. It is awkward for everybody. But what that shows is the value we place on relationships and family, and we want everybody to be included. That's a part of our culture is we just, we are a big family. And so we say that, get inside the circle. If you see trash, pick it up. That'd be the third phrase. That just shows that ownership mentality that I know so many churches talk about and ours as well. Uh, the fourth one, what's the last 2%? Just shows that value we place on authenticity and telling the truth and being uh, really having candor, right? That yeah. you you were going to share your opinions and your thoughts and not hold anything back. Radical, yeah, radical candor, both giving it and then asking for it yeah. um, and seeing that as good self-leadership, um, <laughs> seeing that as uh, loving uh, to give it. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, faithfulness of the leader and faithfulness of the team. And so just that value we place on steady faithfulness, uh, people over paper, we say that a lot. Just again, the value we place on relationships over over tasks. And then uh, for us, it is really unique to us is that the last phrase we wrote down is now that's the way to lose. <laughs> and it just shows, we play a lot of games around here. We do this thing called Farkle. And the, you know, most most people, when they do a competition, they celebrate winners. And we don't do that, John. What do we do around here? Yeah, we celebrate the loser. Yeah. And uh, so generally there's some pretty uh, epic stakes and um, you know, people will have to do uh, something just kind of fun. And it just, you know, it adds an element of, um, of fun, maybe sheer terror uh, for somebody. We've got an outdoor uh, baptismal pond, so it's not uncommon after staff uh, prayer to see somebody have to settle up on a farkle that they lost you know, during the week or something was going on in a team meeting. And so someone will generally do a lap or two uh, in the uh, baptismal pond. We take our losing very seriously around here. And so, uh, which again, that's a part of us. That's what makes yeah. us us. Now, and other churches, other organizations, they yes. may not that like to lose crazy. like that. Yeah. 
but that's fine. So that that's their culture. This is ours. And so yeah. the mission the mission needs to stay always the same. same. Yeah, culture that you create to pull off that mission. That's up to you. Totally to have flexibility. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was fun for us. I think we sat down and said, all right, what are these key phrases? So listening for phrases to get repeated, that was helpful. Then you can take those phrases. And the second thing we talked about is like looking to what gets celebrated. And so I think this is really key for leaders is that when you celebrate, that is such vision casting for people. So if you are a leader and you see somebody on your team that is uh, really heating up a core value or they're doing something well that you talk about, like that is such a great leadership moment to celebrate that person because you're holding that person up going, look at what she did. This is exactly what makes us, us. And in that celebration, you're not just uh, blessing that person, but you're casting vision to everybody else on the team going, remember, this is what we're about. And so uh, we started to look at everything that was getting celebrated. So what we saw in our staff meetings, what was getting celebrated from the stage, what gets celebrated in our different communication channels. And so that was fun. That was a part of us assessing our culture and then on the flip side of that, what's not tolerated? So what's the fireable offense? What's the things that you just go, uh-uh, that is not accepted around here? And so hiding, right? Uh, gossiping, uh, coasting, not trying hard, being timid, not bold. Those are things that we noticed for our culture. Hey, you're not going to you're not gonna do really well around here if these are – that kind of behavior is not tolerated. Yeah. That doesn't make us up. Well, even like the, ex- the introvert, extrovert uh, thing, I love – you've got a great phrase um, about that, about um, – you know, they're primarily being extroverts here. Yes. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, in our culture document we wrote, I wrote an open letter to introverts just telling them, hey, here's how you survive because I am a raging introvert. And uh, the fact of the matter is here is that we are loved uh, and we are accepted, but we are outnumbered. <laughs> and that's just the truth. And so for all of us introverts, <clears throat> excuse me, to sit there and think, oh my gosh, everybody, you know, we, we need more alone time on staff retreat or something like that. Like that, that would just be foolish. We're so outnumbered and that is not our right. And we are not entitled to be able to do that kind of stuff. So it's an issue of force count and you will lose. So accept it. And yeah, uh, yeah and, and that's, that's just, that is our culture. Yeah, take a day a- off when you get home. <laughs> but right now, <clears throat> right now it's a gross violation of personal space and you're going to be around people for three days. And, but guess what? you'll survive. That's really good. That's really good. Okay. So that was um, that was about assessing it, which is really important if you're going to, you know, think about changing culture, you've got to understand kind of what is. And uh, a lot of times um, that's, you know, it's a really helpful exercise. And uh, those, I think those are two um, fantastic ways to get there. What gets celebrated, what gets tolerated, two really, really yep. good and anchors. And what gets repeated. So again, yep. you get into your staff meeting, that could be a takeaway. You get, get your team together and just go, all right, guys, what, what do you think of the phrases that get repeated around here? What, what do we celebrate? What behaviors do we not tolerate? And just start writing down things. I think okay. you'll learn a lot. Yeah, repeated, celebrated, <laughs> tolerated. Okay. So let's say um, you know, we're moving towards um, this culture that we're you know, trying to create. How do, how do we even protect uh, the culture? How, you know, we're, we're, we're tracking the right way, or we feel like we've arrived. You're never going to arrive, but you're, uh, you're getting close to the bullseye. How do you protect that thing? Yeah, protecting it is such a big deal because – especially if you've got a culture and you're, as a leader, you're looking around going, I kind of like what we got right now. Uh, I think this is a healthy culture. Then you, you really want to take some time to think about, all right, how can, we, how can we protect this? And so as we were sitting down thinking about this, it was, again, just looking at things that we see the, the leadership do around here, some observations we made, is number one, and it's going to sound like obvious, you just got to discuss it a lot, you know, and just reminding people that whole idea that vision leaks. So these, these phrases are the core values um, we just have to keep talking about these, going, hey, this is, remember, this is what makes us us. This is, uh, this is what we do. And the thing about culture is that it, it's just like this current that can take you places 
without really knowing it. And so you've got to keep looking around and going, do we like where this is taking us? Are we protecting this? Are we maintaining this? Um, and so we've just, you just got to keep talking about these values. Can you unpack that, that uh, a culture that, or a, I'm sorry, a current that takes you where, um, you know, uh, so, somewhere else, what, what do you mean? Yeah. I mean, that? I think the best one there is an example and maybe not so much in an organization. Well, you hear this in an organization that we're drifting and, and sometimes we'll talk about this as we've gotten bigger. We wonder, is our culture drifting? Are we staying, uh, are those behaviors, are we still celebrating the right behaviors that make us, us? I think a better example is, is just the culture in general that we live in here in the United States. So you can watch where popular opinion is on certain moral topics and things like that, that you just see, you know, there's so much. I think we all would admit as being church leaders in the United States where we are, that uh, we probably still have a lot of the American culture in us that, that isn't biblical, you know, that is just because we're in this current, right? The culture is powerful. It can take you places. And so one way to make sure that it's taking you in the right right way or where you want to go is just, just being thoughtful and discussing it regularly and talking about it. I think I've seen that be really helpful for us around here at Watermark. That's really good. Yeah, just keep, keep coming back um, to that. It's what, um, yeah, currents is really good, uh, good phrase. I, you know, got this memory. I uh, spent three years of my uh, childhood in Australia, and uh, every kid who swam in the oceans got this story where you're out there playing, looking at mom and dad, and uh, next thing you know, you you're like halfway down the beach, and uh, yeah. you know how, how did that happen? And you have to pick up, you know, your little floaties or whatever you have, and walk it all the way back. And culture is a lot like that. You know, I've done the hard work. I've, I've, you know, we've nailed this thing. And then you make a couple new hires and life goes on and someone is is kind of violating some of those cultural norms. How, how did that happen? How do yeah. we get drift? Well, it happened because we didn't just keep bringing it back yep. and uh, discussing it is the way to, you know, kind of uh, walk back to that that point um, that you should be, uh, that you intended to be, that you, that you were at one point. Uh, but it takes a lot of work and uh, a lot of repeating and a lot of... Uh, Todd does a good job of saying the same thing about a thousand different ways. Yeah. You know, and you can tell... It's what he's doing. He's moving us back to uh, that place, and uh, JP does that. Uh, he does that really, really well uh, as well. And so, um, yeah, it's not a one and done. It's not a uh, hey. I said this two years ago in a, at a staff meeting. Do you guys remember that? It is a daily, um, a daily intentionality to pull that back. Yeah, and as a leader, you probably know you've repeated it enough when the people start making fun of it. And they mock you. Yeah. <laughs> and so then you go, all right, <laughs> message has been delivered. Right. And so that's when just the got, cost when, of leadership. When they've got punchlines. Uh, <laughs> to kind of your axioms, then they, they're they familiar enough with it. Yeah, Absolutely. That's it. So second thing, so that's the first part about protecting it. You just got to discuss it. Second one, we've already talked about a little bit here. I think the celebration, you know, consistently celebrating uh, what's true is that what gets celebrated gets replicated, uh, not missing those moments to celebrate people. And so In, one way we do that here that we just did at the end of our staff retreat as we got away a few weeks ago is when somebody's been here five years, we have a kind of a ceremony where we, yeah. we really bless them and, uh, and encourage them and we give them this brand, you know, it's got the watermark logo on it. It's Texas. Yeah. Cause that's, that's what we do we're... down here. So, uh, you know, but what that is, is that celebrating people that's vision casting and it's reminding people of, Hey, this is what makes us, us. And so, um, you know, celebrations really are value warmers, if you will. They, they just remind everybody cause, cause we're all sitting there. We're going, Man, I want people to say that about me. And, that is that is what makes us us. We are celebrating the faithfulness here. So those are those are great moments to protect culture when you start celebrating people. Yeah, I love it. Um, so that's at the macro level. Um, it, it is it is a great. It's a 
it's a really special, uh, special time. So people have this brand and then people get to write uh, one word descriptions uh, of them. And uh, so everyone else on the staff uh, meeting, you know, so everyone else will come by and write one, one word that uh, describes this. And uh, uh, Todd will stand up and just read these off. <laughs> you just go, wow. You know, and they're, um, it's, it's a great way to cast vision about uh, the best that people can be. And uh, it's a really, really um, uh, powerful time. That's at the macro level. Anything you do, uh, Adam, just kind of on your teams um, when you think about culture? Yeah. And so we've got, uh, I lead our arts team here and, is something, and I, I'm relatively new at leading it, so I've inherited this aspect of the culture. But they have created this award. <clears throat> They've created this award called the Culture Club Award, as in like the '80s boy band. Absolutely, yeah, Boy George. And so uh, the Culture Club Award is given. So throughout the year, if anybody does anything that really promotes uh, relationships and just deepening of relationships, laughter, fun. We have everybody's name up on this kind of poster and they get a star next to their name. So anything from like you made muffins and you brought them in and everybody for a few moments came together and ate muffins, right? That, that gets you a star uh, to something bigger. So um, all that stuff. And then at the end of the year, we add up the stars and we give out the Culture Club Award, which is a chameleon because of... Karma Chameleon. Gotcha. I'm tracking. I'm tracking. I remember the video. I'm trying to all of our millennials listen right right now are just like I don't even know what we're talking about. But don't don't Google it. Anyway, so we give out that, and that's just again, it's just a way to to celebrate all of that, and uh, and it's really helpful. I love it. I really love it. Okay, so you're talking about this, you know, this team that you've uh, inherited, and um, and some of the practices that that you you inherited. You you also are um, you also get into kind of drive uh, change on this team. You're not just reacting to what was. And, and I think we always talk about one of the biggest ways to uh, either uh, boost or detract from uh, culture is who you hire. And Absolutely. Who, who you bring on th- or, or it could be who you bring on to your volunteer team. It's not just uh, those, that, those that are employed by uh, the church. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it is one of the most, maybe one of the most important ways to protect the culture is to hire and invite, you know, for volunteers just to hire wisely. So... Uh, I, I think that's what I've learned by being around here is that when we're we're not just looking for technical competency, we're not just looking for what school they went to and things like that. Are they smart? We're also asking, you know, are these people going to be culture ads? Uh, not a not a culture neutral and not a negative to the culture. Are they going to add to the culture? And honestly, I think sometimes that can trump whether or not they have a lot of experience or if they went to this school or that school that we just go, hey, this person, one of the reasons we keep them here is they're a huge culture ad. So one of the things I've heard Todd talk about is that there's a difference between groupies and game changers. And so if you're growing or kind of a popular church, you can have a lot of people that just want to be around. They want to be on staff because they think it's cool. And so you got to watch out for who who really are the game changers, the ones that are going to be culture ads and who's just going to come here because they just, they just think it's going to be fun, you know. Uh, and so those are some things that you got, you got to look out for. And so that hiring practice is such a key way to protect the culture. Yeah. And so how do you even think about that? Someone who, so you're like, you've got some real technical skills that you have to hire for. Let's, someone is just going to crush it, uh, on those technical skills, but it's like a so-so, um, you know, on the culture fit. How do you, how do you factor and think about that? I I think, I mean, let's have a conversation about that. I think we would... We would go for somebody that has a some uh, that is less technically qualified um, if they're a, if they're a culture ad. And again, you go back to one of the things that we like with a culture. If you see trash, pick it up. We like go getters. We like owners. 
And if they if they've got this attitude of, hey, I'm gonna I'm a go getter, I'm gonna figure it out, they're gonna you can teach them stuff. They're an activator. So they're they're gonna be easy to educate at that point because they've got this mindset and this makeup of like, hey, we're in this game, we're all doing this. You're watching both dials, both the competency and uh, the culture piece. And so um, you're going to go to battle uh, with the people that you are either on your volunteer teams or at the staff level. And you want to like uh, those people and because you're not always going to have you know uh, grins and giggles and, and great times. There's going to be some real difficulties. And you don't want to be sparring uh, relationally with people or having people just kind of um, – operate off of a different playbook, uh, then you want to be on the same team. You want to know when you get in the situation, this is how we react. This is um, this is what we do. This is who we are. And irrespective of uh, what you can do, you know, in your case, wh- how talented you are with a soundboard or something like that, uh, you want people um, that are going to be great culture fits. And so uh, a lot of times I think we uh, – we'll kind of fudge on that one and, and just kind of close our eyes and, and make that hire or bring that person onto our volunteer team. And we know it intuitively. We know this is a bad idea. Um, and I would say, listen to your, uh, your intuition, you know, and oftentimes I, re- I really do think it's the Holy spirit just saying, this is going to wreck everything you've got going here. Yeah. Uh, don't, don't do it. Yep. Don't do it. So, yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> ways to protect, you got the discussion, you got celebration, you got hiring, and then the last one again, we I feel like there's some repeat. We talked about this is uh, you you got to be together frequently. So the team, the culture has to be together because the foundation of a culture is strong relationships. And so the relationships that grow, if your team likes each other and you get along and you're healthy and these are healthy relationships, that culture is going to be better. So again, let's quote Todd: "Absence makes the heart grow fonder, but it doesn't make relationships stronger." And so that phrase about get inside the circle and the people over paper that just, we just take the relationships really serious. And so John, when we go away to staff retreat every year, Todd always gives us, you know, kind of the same speech, but we love it. And he just resets it. And he goes, Hey, the goal of staff retreat is yes, when we get back, we love each other more than we did, you know, three days ago. And that's, I mean, that's like, that's great leadership. That's just saying this culture matters. So we're going to go away. We're going to be together for three days. And the goal is to deepen these relationships. So talk to people you don't normally talk to, hang around after dinner a little bit longer, go on a walk with that person, uh, just do build these relationships. And so, you know, we do that uh, one time a year where we go away, we do that at the team level. Um, you know, it, it's just, we're just trying to build in these, these culture ads. It's just, hey, we got to be together and we got to love each other because if we don't love each other, then, you know, how is that going to go out into the congregation that we're leading and this mission that we're on? Yeah. And it's a it's a way to protect the culture. Yeah, the metaphor being like if mom and dad don't love each other, the family yeah. is just not gonna work. And so That's we it. do we do strategic planning while we're there and we do, you know, we we catching up on the church and casting vision and leadership. We do talk about those things. But what's the what's the goal? What's the one thing we're really, really hoping happens is that our relationships are deepened yep. and that our we our affections are stirred for each other. We love who we are on mission. Uh, with so when we get back, you know, uh, we are we are ready to go to war uh, yep. together uh, because we love each other, we know each other, we trust each other, and uh, culturally we're all aligned. Yeah, that's, that's great. Cool. Yeah. So let's just recap that. So the ways to uh, ways to protect the culture, you got to discuss it, you got to celebrate it, you got to hire wisely, and you got to be together. That's great. So let's talk about then. Um, we've talked about this, you know, uh, assessing. We've talked about protecting. How, how would you go about changing um, culture, Adam? And so think about. Uh, think about you've got you've got a couple different people here. You've got uh, the senior leader 
who, you know, he can kind of send the email and he's got the microphone at, at the meetings and those kind of things. And you also have someone, uh, you've got a younger leader uh, there who doesn't have um, some of the same uh, options um, at his disposal that the, that the senior leader does. You know, you've got some people that are volunteer uh, leaders and they're on teams and, um, but they want, they want to change uh, the culture. So uh, help those people. This is like, this is the most fun for me to talk about. How do you change the culture? It's like this secret. It just makes me think of, I don't know, Hunger Games and V for Vendetta, all these movies, you know, all this kind of stuff of like, how do you change all of this? And so it is a question that we have to ask. And honestly, we could do a whole podcast on how do you change cultures? Is it possible to change a culture? All that kind of stuff. So I think just some things that we could talk about here now, uh, you know, we, we identified a couple of things. So the first one, if you're in a culture and you want to change it or you think some change needs to happen, you have got to identify the gatekeeper of that culture. So like we talked about in the beginning, John, every group of people has a culture. And then what, what happens just naturally is there's a gatekeeper. So there's somebody who is the big influencer, somebody who is the big decision maker. And I think the fact of the matter is, is that all change, I'll, I'll say this really maybe stronger than I really feel it, but all change happens from the top down which would mean that, that maybe the grassroots movement isn't as, uh, as effective as we may think it is. That, oh, I bet if down here at the bottom, we just start making subtle changes, it'll work its way up. I don't know. I don't know. I'm a little skeptical of that. And I think, I think the fact of the matter is, is that all, all, most of the change uh, happens through a gatekeeper. And so you first got to identify who the gatekeeper is. Yeah, that's good. Well, I, I do think, well, that's a whole other podcast. I think everybody has influence. Everybody has power. Uh, regardless of where they are organizationally, you just got to know where to kind of find it. Yes. But uh, yes, you want to just you want to streamline this thing. You get the guy at the top to buy in, uh, see, uh, be a part of the solution. You're running downhill with the wind to your back. Yes. There's no question. Yeah, we heard, I heard JP say this the other day that you can either get the person at the top excited about whatever change you want to make, or you get everybody else excited about. And like, so just like a fi- gang tackle. This yeah. Other so guy, you yeah. just think about efficiency. Which one's easier? We'll try to get the person at the top. <laughs> That's one as opposed to two hundred to get excited about it. But it, but it is. So when we're really thinking about how do you want to change it? So there may be somebody driving along in their car right now that they feel like they're alone. They they know that there's some culture that needs to change in their church. I think the question to ask is all right, who's the gatekeeper? Like who who's the one that really is is setting the culture around here and just making sure that I I've, I've got to start there. That, that's that's yeah, the that's the person that I'm going to need. Then if there is like this movement that's going to happen, I think that person has to have some clout. If you really are going to try to institute some change in your church, I think you got to have some clout. And um, and again, it doesn't sound fair, uh, but I think it is just kind of that way is that there are certain people that could try to come up with an idea for some change. And there are certain people whose voices are going to be louder than others, certain people who are going to be heard more than others. And and so here's what that means for all the young leaders that are out there. The young leaders that are out there that feel like they have no clout right now, you just keep being faithful. You keep being faithful and you keep being amazing at what you're doing because that faithfulness and that excellence is going to buy you clout that one day maybe you can start start to have that. That clout, you have to earn that. That's not just given to you because of where you went to school or you know whatever whatever good decision you made recently. So you got to be able to, to earn that. And then the last thing, and we can just talk about this a little bit more, you don't ever change a culture without a fight. And uh, it like it just that's what happened. It's always a fight. Somebody is fighting to protect that culture that you're trying to change. So those, if you're driving home thinking about, oh, I'm going to have this idea, and then I'm going to share it with the leader, and he's going to go, you're right, and then everything's going to change. It is not going to go down that way. <laughs> it's going to be a fight, and so you just got to be ready that if you're going to try to change something, 
Get ready. Yeah, I love yeah. it. You're going to have to carbo load if you yeah. want to pull this off. Yeah. <laughs> You're yes. gonna have to load up. Um, there's some there's some meetings. Uh, one of the one of the gals on the team on my team, she was like, "Hey, when I go into meetings with with that people, I have to drink a Gatorade before I go in there because she's just <laughs> expecting a fight, which is great." So yeah, you got a carbo loader, yeah. drink your Gatorade, and, and so you've got to be convinced. So I think you know uh, your why's got to be big enough. So uh, you know, just as a social experiment to change culture, that's just you know you'll, you'll quit pretty quickly. Um, but hey, I believe the mission of this church, like it matters. Yeah. And I wanna I wanna see this church do this the most effectively. Um how does it go? I want I wanna see this church pull off the mission in the most effective manner. Um that that's a why that's that's worth the fight. Absolutely. And then you can say, okay, great, we we've all stacked hands on uh, the mission. And um I, I want to make sure that, that the the culture we have here is creating the best possible, um, you know, or at least at least potential uh, for this mission to be pulled off. That that's worth uh, running uphill with the wind to your face. It really uh, is too. Um, yeah, go ahead. I, you know, and again, there's so much to say here. We could talk for another 40 minutes about this, but <clears throat> I, I think the way, like, if you're sitting there and you're in your church or organization, and you, you go, I know there needs to be some change. The way you communicate that is, is going to make such a difference. If there is a perception that you want to make this change because it's about you, like that is going to get, that is going to get squashed really quickly and probably should, if it really is just about you. A preference. It's yeah, just so kinda, this yeah. Is, yeah. This is a, uh, as we talk about around here, this is just, I like chocolate. You like vanilla. This is subjective. This is just, I want things to be like, those things are going to be really hard to change. So thinking about how to communicate these things, like you just said, and you can let people know, Hey, I, th- I believe in what we're doing. I believe in this mission. I think the church is important. I love this place, and I love it so much. I see us drifting, and now I want to change. Those types of things, that type of uh, language when you're trying to change culture uh, is much more palatable than change just for change's sake. Yeah, that's really good. So Adam, it's been really, really, really good. Um, I hope uh, folks will kind of put into practice some of these things. And so um, you know, hopefully they will walk away with some ideas on how to assess, how to protect, and how to change um, their culture. And again, we've come back to this a couple of times, but um, culture is not the thing. It's not the goal of the church. Um, if you are unclear about you know, some of the mission and um, kind of the bullseye of the church, open up your Bible, Matthew 28, verse 19, and just start reading. Okay, there that, That's what you're supposed to do. And that that's really, really clear. Um, in every church, we've got different gifts. Uh, we've got different personalities. And, um, and we need to create the culture that uh, kind of maximizes the best uh, of all of that and uh, allows us to pull off um, the, the, the mission that God's given us. And uh, culture is, is just incredibly uh, powerful. And I think I'll, I'll use this phrase, uh, culture works while we sleep. Mm. And so if you, if you nail this and you get it right, uh, when you're not in the meeting, when you're not there at the table, you're not at that, uh, that lunch or that talk, you've created this culture um, all that you want to see happen is going to happen because you've done the really hard work to to create phrases or to reinforce. And even though you're not there and you might be on vacation, all the things that you care deeply about and you think need to happen will happen. So that's why uh, that's why this matters. And Adam, these are really good thoughts. I, I love the perspective of, uh, hey, I'm not, I'm not in charge here, but I've been studying this place. And uh, you've kind of given us, you know, a, a really good uh, master's thesis on uh, what makes this place tick. We don't, we don't care about Watermark. We really, uh, that's not, that's not the goal here. It's just to uh, reiterate this idea that a really healthy culture and can produce really healthy ministry and really healthy ministers.
And uh, and it matters wherever you are. God's got you there. Uh, think about your culture uh, because it matters to uh, the mission. So thanks so much uh, for these really, really good thoughts. Well, great. Well, if you have any questions or comments about today's episode, feel free to contact us via email. We can be reached at clp at watermark.org. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all again next time.